Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Socks on Tap. Tony, I, I, my first reaction is just fuck yes, let's go. Socks versus Detroit. That's that's where it all starts. Because it all starts taking care of business in house in the Central Division. That's right. I'm a meatball. You got to bring that top button swag, baby. It is always great to beat the Cubs. And I'm a homer, so I always say they're gonna. Dallas Keiko Lampson got some beards that you should be afraid of. What everybody said when he gets out there, it's me versus the other guy, and I'm gonna beat him. So I just love that mentality. It's cool and fucking tough. Steve, Steve, would you say that Tony is mad online? I, I would definitely say that. The White Sox winner. Hello, White Sox fans, and welcome in to another Sunday Fun Day edition of the Sox on Tap podcast. It's Tony Marchese alongside Besnick at Sox Insane. He's been called back up, making his first spring training appearance on the Sox on Tap podcast. Besnick, Sox tied today one to one. We've got tons of spring training action to talk about, as well as some World Baseball Classic happenings. How are you doing, my friend? Hey, Tony, what's up? I'm doing pretty good, my man. Uh, watched a pretty good baseball game today. We got some more WBC stuff coming. So the baseball's rolling in and I'm feeling good. The baseball is rolling in. This is a this is a great weekend for sports, Bez. I know that uh, some people have been glued to some golf. Some people have been glued to some college basketball. You've got baseball up the wazoo if you want it in the World Baseball Classic form or in the newfangled spring training pitch clock form. Uh, there's there's tons of stuff to watch. It's It's been a great weekend in sports, and I've been glued to the television. There's also some hockey out there. Um, I'm a big hockey guy. You can find me over at Four Feathers Podcast with our guy Johnny Nani talking about all that. But we're here to talk baseball, Bez. Great, like I said, great weekend for sports. Have you been, uh, have you been glued to the TV as much as I have? I've been uh, I've been checking in on the WBC as much as I can. I've been kind of busy this weekend with kids and stuff, but um, got to catch some uh, some of the games yesterday. Some of the games this morning, you saw Italy won. I didn't get to watch the U.S. game, which was a bummer, but glad they won and glad to see that uh, my guy Lance Lynn is taking the hill tomorrow against Canada. So that should be a fun one to watch that I'll be able to be glued to the TV for. Absolutely. And we'll get into some, like I said, some World Baseball Classic stuff. Lance Lynn taking them out for Team USA tomorrow. That's of, of White Sox note, uh, Bez, as you just brought up there. Um, let's let's break it down into some, some White Sox stuff here first. Before we do that, be sure you're following us at Socks on Tap on Twitter, Bez at Socks Insane, myself at Tony on Tap. Be sure to join the YouTube stream here for the Socks on Tap podcast. That's youtube.com slash on tap sportsnet. Uh, come comment, talk with us, uh, interact as you as you would like to throughout the show. Uh, we love taking your questions, comments, and concerns about the White Sox here at Socks on Tap. Besnick, Today, 1-1 tie. We saw some Oscar Colas power. We saw that show up yesterday. Uh, Jake Berger has been showing off some power. Uh, a lot of good stuff if you're a White Sox fan watching the last two days of White Sox baseball, especially if you're a fan of fireworks like me, a fan of a long ball, ball go far, team go far, like our guy NWI Steve likes to say. A lot of power, a lot of power showing from uh, from specifically two dudes 
that are vying for roster spots on this White Sox team this year. Uh, let's dig in. We'll start with Jake Berger first. What have you seen from the former first round draft pick of your Chicago White Sox? And I've seen what everybody else has seen. It's uh, this guy's got a ton of power. He can flat out hit. This is a team that doesn't look, at least on paper, like it's going to hit a ton of home runs. And this lineup needs pop. The problem is, I don't know where we're going to put this guy, but I love, I absolutely love everything I'm seeing with him in spring training. The dude is mashing, I think, like uh, 700 slugging percentage right now, which is huge. So I hope he can keep it going. If we have to stick him in AAA, that's unfortunate because I feel like that's a little bit of a waste, but he'll be there for call-ups when, you know, Eloy or somebody inevitably gets hurt. (laughs) Yeah, we talked about this uh, a couple weeks ago on the show, Bez. I believe this was a conversation with myself Mr. Jonathan and, and Steven on the uh, the Jake Berger situation. And uh, I've been a, a huge sort of proponent of, you know, Jake Berger needs to make this major league roster uh, this year. He, he's, a, like I said, a former first round draft pick, um, you know, deserves this playing time. I think he's, he's sort of earned that right. There's a bit of a log jam in front of him. Uh, but, you know, you're looking at this right now. He leads the team. Uh, in spring training, uh, in home runs, hit his fourth yesterday, third and fourth, um, has just played, uh, you know, some solid defense wherever they've wanted to stick him. I know there's been a couple of two tree errors over at first base, which is not his natural position. Uh, but you know, he sort of plays, you know, an average first base. I think that that's, you know, probably a, an easier adaptable position for a guy like Jake. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I just think he deserves that bat plays far too well at the major league level right now. And obviously the power is, is showing in, in the, uh, the early days of spring training here. Actually, we're, we're about halfway through, but, um, you know, you need that type of power in your lineup. I think you bring up the, the, the right question here. Where does he go? Where does he go? Uh, what are your early inklings on what the White Sox will do with Jake Berger? I, I think he's destined for AAA Charlotte, which with his bat in that park, I mean, he is going to probably lead that league in home runs if he uh, has an extended stay down there in Charlotte. Um, he's great depth, great depth to have. As far as the bench goes, um, you know, we'll get into some of the guys there, but, you know, a uh, backup catcher like Sebi is pretty much a lock. You know, you need a middle infielder, utility guy, a fourth outfielder. We've got a ton of first base DH types. Um, so I think he's destined for AAA. I don't, I don't see him on this big league roster. I, I want him there, but I don't know who you move. Fair enough, Bez. But uh, I, I still think that uh, you need Jake Berger's bat on that major league roster come opening day. I don't know how you make it fit. I don't know, you know, if that's going to come at the expense of of somebody near and dear to my heart, like a like a Gavin Sheets. Um, but uh, you need this bat in this lineup at least right now. Um, if this trend continues with Jake Berger mashing baseballs over the over the batter's eye in center field, like he did yesterday, right. I feel like you can't argue with that kind of power uh, and production. And I do know, like you said, his his OPS was up over, or his slugging was up over uh, 700 as of yesterday. Not sure 
if that fell a little bit today, but uh, still, uh, regardless, I, I, he's had over 25 at bats in spring training. Besnick, it's it's a small sample size, but it's a pretty decent sample size in terms of spring training at bats. Obviously, Yoan Moncada over uh, playing with Team Cuba, he's getting uh, quite a few reps at third as as well as first base. I just think that you know if he continues this, he might press the envelope just a little bit. Um, and wind up at 35th in Shields when the Sox come back home for their first series, I think that you might see Jake Berger with this roster. Uh, you brought up guys fighting for roster spots, and that brings me also to one Oscar Colas Besnick. Two home runs in the last two games uh, for him as well as Mr. Jake Berger. This guy has just absolutely amazed me thus far in spring training Besnick. I know that there's a clip of me that you can find online doubting one Oscar Colas. Wow. The yeah. Effortless power. Just, just talk about Oscar Colas and, and what you've witnessed over the last week with this guy. The, the home runs have been impressive. Like you said, it, it's effortless power. The one he hit today, it didn't even really look like he swung that hard. And it was absolutely destroyed. We went into the season, or I'm sorry, we went into spring training as uh, everybody was saying, you and I, Steve, Johnny, that he's got to earn it. He's got to earn his spot and prove his worth in spring training. And we're halfway through, like you said. And right now, I have a hard time seeing anybody else taking that first start in Houston on the 30th uh, other than Oscar Colas. Um Again, this is spring training, so maybe you take the stats with a little bit of a grain of salt. Uh, Jake Berger has already proven he can hit at the big league level during the regular season. We haven't seen that from Colas yet, but I can't imagine that this guy isn't going to get his chance right off the bat um, when this season starts. And what are we just less than three weeks away now? So I'm impressed. Uh, uh, that's that's all I can say about it is this guy's been impressive. We are just about three weeks away from the start of, of baseball season, uh, Besnick. And, and that feels wonderful to say. Um, I'm excited. I know you are too, to get back into lot B, have a couple of beers with the boys, um, you know, throw a couple back and, and head on in and watch an abbreviated version of baseball. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I think that for all intents and purposes, we still need to throw some caution into the wind when it comes to one Oscar Colas. Our guy NWI Steve wrote a piece over at ontapsportsnet.com, which all of you should go and check out, um, about you know these tempered expectations. There's also, as I said, that video clip of, of myself talking about Oscar Colas just a few weeks ago. Um, and, and not to buy into all of the hype right away. I mean, we've seen this sort of thing before. Um, Yohan Moncada comes to mind. Eloy Jimenez sort of comes to mind. Luis Robert sort of comes to mind. And I would say, at least as a White Sox fan, Besnick, out of, out of those four names, when you add Oscar Colas to the mix, he's probably the one with the least hype for White Sox fans coming into this. And I think that that sort of, at least in my opinion, serves Oscar Colas well. Now there's there's still a lot of prospects that have that have come up uh, in Major League Baseball and and done very well without a ton of hype. Cody Bellinger is sort of one of the names that that 
you know, I sort of relate that to like a guy that didn't have that prospect pedigree, but was able to come up, especially from the left side and, and mash baseballs. That said, White Sox player development. This is something that came up earlier today in, in an article uh, online uh, talking about how White Sox player development doesn't stop at the major league level. I would say, me personally, and I know our guy Johnny Nani threw something out there about this as well and said, checks notes, yes, it does. <laughs> Where are you personally with Oscar Colas and the development? You, you said it's it's hard. you're hard-pressed for yourself to look at this lineup and not think he gets the start in Houston. But does he does he need a little more seasoning? Is is this for real? Is he going to continue to hit at this clip and, and earn this spot? I I'm still of the mindset that Gavin Sheets has sort of a lock on that spot, if not Eloy Jimenez going out into right field. Despite my you know hatred towards that idea, but where where are you with this? You know, as far as the prospects go, he wasn't as, you know, he was never a top 10, top 20 guy. I think he finally got into the top 100 just this year. It's hard not to be excited about him with the way he's hitting in spring training right now. But at the same time, you've got to be a little cautiously optimistic with what we've seen as far as what Sox player development has been able to turn out. Mancada, um, like you said, Eloy. Um, these guys never stay healthy. They kind of produce when they do. So there's a lot of that sticking him in AAA in that launching pad of a stadium that they have there in Charlotte. He's just going to mash the ball and continue to hit at this clip. I don't know that he has anything else to prove at AAA at this point. I think this was spring training was it for him to prove that, you know, he belongs. So it was kind of his job to lose as long as he performed and he's doing that. I think it's his. Um, I think Gavin Sheets probably still makes the major league roster. Uh, his bat being, you know, having some left-handed power that can pinch hit late in games um, is huge. We know this guy's got a ton of power and he's, you know, steadily, you know, made some modest improvements over the last couple of years as far as, um, you know, the back of the baseball stat uh, stats, <laughs> baseball card stats tell us. So, um uh, Throwing out I'm, some Tony Larusaisms here, Baz. I, I'm a big fan of it. The back of the baseball card, I love it. Yeah, we 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 need to see that from these guys. We need to see them continue to progress. Uh, I'm personally starting to get pretty fatigued with the White Sox and waiting for White Sox prospects to turn into all the things that we were told or believed that they were to be. But with Colas, he's crushing the ball, and I need something to get excited about for this season because last year was just such a bust. So if it's Oscar Colas and maybe Jake Berger, that's you know some gives me something to be excited about going into the season and going to the ballpark to watch. So be it. Um, but yeah, uh, but at the same time, you know you have to exercise a little bit of caution because of what we've seen. Fair enough, man. I, I love the fact that we are at this point. I, I will say this. I, I love the fact that we're at this point where Oscar Colas has played himself into this discussion. Because on the other side of this, 
we could be sitting here telling ourselves, no, he actually deserves to spend more time with Project Birmingham. He deserves to spend more time in AAA. No, I, I wanted him to come out here and do exactly what he's done so far because that healthy competition that we talk about all the time, this is this is good shit. This is this is exactly what you want to see from your second best prospect outside of Colson Montgomery um, as rated by the professionals. You, you want to see this guy push the envelope a little bit. And, and that's what we've gotten so far uh, this spring training from Oscar Colas. We'll see if it continues, but um, you know, he's, he's on that short list. Now he's on that list of guys that could potentially make this team. I know a lot of people had him, uh, you know, almost sharpied in as their starting day right fielder before they even saw any Oscar Colas action. But I like where we're at. I think it's good. I think it's healthy. It's good competition. And that's going to lend itself towards a potentially more successful season uh, for himself, as well as our Chicago White Sox. So that's, that's what we want here, Besnick. Uh, let's get into some of the pitching that we've seen from the White Sox. Michael Kopak made his first start of Cactus League action today. Um, just looked absolutely phenomenal out there, if I'm going to be honest, at least from my eye test, Bez. Uh, what did you see from Mr. Michael Kopak in his in his first start? I saw the same thing. I, he looked pretty dominant. The stuff was electric. The fastball looked great. Didn't throw a ton of secondary stuff, but that's pretty normal for spring training at this point in his first start nine up nine down. I mean, what more can I ask for um, from Michael Kopech? Of course, the angels don't have their, their a team out there. There's no Shohei Otani. There's no Mike Trout, but it's, it's very encouraging. We know this dude has a ton of potential. He's he's development's been stunted because of Tommy John, because of the COVID shortened season that he didn't participate in for good reason. So, I don't know. This is this is my guy this year. I've, I'm really bullish on Michael Kopech. I think we're going to see 150 innings from him. I think we're going to see him take that next step in the develop in his development. And we really need it because outside of Dylan Cease and Lance Lynn, there are some question marks in that rotation. He's one of them, but he can kind of bridge that gap at that third starter spot and really make that rotation a lot more formidable kind of the way that's I mean I'm not saying that he's going to take that kind of step that Cease did where he near won a Cy Young but he takes that next step and you know that's uh that's going to be a pretty tough one two three there um on uh, on our starting on our starting staff so I'm I'm really looking forward to this guy and and what you know what he's going to bring to the table this year you know you talk about Michael Kopech taking steps like Dylan Cease, I think, at least for me personally, Besnick, I look at Michael Kopech's raw stuff, and I, I think it might be better than Dylan Cease's if, if you really put this together. I, I do. I think he's got that kind of potential, and he's got that kind of attitude to go out there and be an absolute bulldog, be a guy that people are afraid to face. You look at what he's had in you know short spurts, um, you know, last year, uh, the start in New York really comes to mind uh, with Michael Kopech. Just that sort of it, it's it's really a fuck you. I'm a dominant pitcher type attitude, whereas I look at a guy like Dylan Cease and it's a little bit more finesse. It's a little bit more masterful of your craft versus the 
unhoned raw talent that you get from Michael Kopak. Yeah. If you can, if you can find a way to bridge that some, somehow, some way, you know, Michael Kopak and Dylan Cease could be a, absolutely nasty one too in, in major league baseball they really can um and i think that kopech's kind of got that pedigree behind him you you took you brought up some of the the lost development time i want to see him put it together and, and take that step that dylan c step that you're talking about here same um i i think he's ready he looks poised out on the mound today he looked pretty confident in what he wanted to throw I like what I'm seeing. I, I like the things that I'm reading about, you know, Ethan Katz talking about him and his pitch mix and some of the some of the things he's done to hone in his secondary stuff. I mean, we know what the fastball is and what it can do. Um, and then if he can bring in that off-speed stuff and throw that stuff for strikes, uh, it's, it, you know, the, the potential is through the roof um, with this guy. So, you know, if and he brings that kind of Lance Lynn attitude to the field, you know, that that fuck you mentality. Um, I'm you know, he goes out there with that attitude that I'm just better than the other guy. And you love it. You absolutely as a fan, you know, you love to see that and love to root for those guys. So um, another reason to be excited for this season. I, I love that Besnick. A lot, a lot of great points there. And I'm, I'm glad you brought up pitch mix because every time someone brings up pitch mix uh northwest indiana guy named steve gets its wings and uh they're able to fly a little farther so uh that's that's wonderful um i'm i'm a big fan of of the comparisons to lance lynn as well with michael kopak i think if you look at this white Sox rotation lynn really sets the tone as we like to say here um and michael kopak's probably the number 2 guy there that has that attitude that can replicate that sort of essence on the mound. Lucas Giolito, Dylan Cease, I think are of a different ilk and they can be successful with a, a different mentality entering the ball game. But Michael Kopech really sort of feeds off that energy. I still remember going back to Michael Kopech's first start uh, in a White Sox uniform. And, and he's a guy that feeds off that energy. He's a guy that's, you know, you, you can see him, uh, being very successful in a big game moment. I want this to be the year that Michael Kopech puts it all together. I know you uh, said he's your guy to watch. He's sort of my guy to watch in the starting rotation as well. A lot of people have him pegged as a number five. I think if Michael Kopech, if you put it all together and he's your number five starter, that's that's bad news for a lot of other major league baseball teams. Like it really is. And I think the question comes down to how many innings is this guy going to be able to throw this year? And can he stay off the IL? That's going to be a storyline that we're watching here at Sox on tap throughout the season. Buzz a couple other pitching notes. I've got Mike, uh, Mike Clevenger made his first start. Obviously there's been all sorts of talk about Mike Clevenger throughout the off season. He looked fairly impressive yesterday, inducing a couple of strikeouts, wasn't as clean as Michael Kopech's was. Do you have any notes um, on Mike Clevenger's first start in the White Sox uniform uh, coming yesterday in the loss to the San Diego Padres? Yeah, pitching against his old team, he he had some good life on the fastball. You like to see that. Um, you know, we brought this guy in to be the fifth starter. He's had some some injury problems. He's coming off of Tommy John from a couple of years ago, so. You know, his health, along with many others, is a big question mark. But for his first spring training start, 
you know, nothing to nothing to write home about, but nothing to be really concerned about. Um, you know, he's in good hands with Ethan Katz. This guy has been successful at the big league level. He knows how to pitch. Um, and, you know, there's not a whole lot of pressure on him because, again, he's your fifth starter. So hopefully he can put it together. Um, but I don't have really too much to say about those first couple spring training innings besides, you know, he didn't did nothing, nothing to be concerned about or excited about. No, nothing that uh, you want to just say, hey, screw this guy because he gave up three, four bombs within the first inning, uh, which is which is good. I mean, that's 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 good. I think he looked I think he looked fairly composed. I think he looked fine on the mound. Uh, we're going to need a, a larger sample size to uh, really get a feel for what he's what he's putting down this year so far. But uh, as long as we're making it through healthy and we're not, you know, tipping pitches and, and looking absolutely ridiculous out there, I think that's a good, good start because uh, he had points uh, last season where Mike Clevenger did not look good at all. So, um, you know, fairly good developments. And I think Ethan Katzel will definitely do a lot to help him um, as he has some of the other starters on this staff. Besnick, uh, I want to get into some of the World Baseball Classic action that we've seen um, so far this this spring. I know that uh, our guy, NWI Steve, uh, just flew down to Arizona to attend a World Baseball Classic game. That was his number one priority when he got down there. Huge World Baseball Classic guy. Um, that's his favorite thing. He's really upset that Team Poland did not make the World Baseball Classic um, this season, but he is rooting for Team USA. I'm pretty sure he's going to be in attendance either tonight or tomorrow at one of these uh, one of these games, if not both of them. But Lance Lynn going on the mound for Team USA, as you mentioned at the beginning of the show, uh, against Team Canada tomorrow. Um, That'll be the first White Sox real starter action you've seen on the pitching side. But if you flip it over to Team Cuba, got off to a rough start. Luis Robert and uh, Johan Moncada representing the White Sox for Team Cuba over there. Moncada had a home run uh, in some game action. I believe it was last night, but technically today uh, based on time zone stuff. Uh, a lot of people were very excited that Johan Moncada left the yard. But uh, I got a message from you that you were not impressed with this home run. I, I want you to break this down for our listeners here. I mean, it was nice to see the ball leave the yard. It's nice to see him making hard contact and driving in runs and looking like the player he has always been heralded to be. Um, you know, when we talk, when I talk about prospect fatigue, he's kind of the first person that comes to mind because I am really just sick of waiting around for this guy to be good. I looked up the stat cast and I saw that the, Exit Velo on that was just a touch over 96 miles per hour, which is, you know, nah, it's hit hard, but it's not crushed. We're not seeing, you know, 105, 107, um, which is probably what we'll see if I looked up Oscar Colas's uh, last couple of home runs here. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's not, you know, the the top competition here. The major leagues is the is is where it needs to happen. Yoan. So make it happen there. Keep doing what you're doing. And uh, when you come back to camp, keep hitting the ball hard. So I'm not. Exactly. You're, you're just, I mean, lay into it. I mean, if you're going to go full on Yoan Moncada <laughs> hater on a 96 mile an hour uh, big fly, 
you might as well lean into it, Baz. I mean, let, let's let's be real. Would you have been more impressed with this home run if it was, you know, Luis Roberts uh, hit down the third baseline that went, what, 112 uh, right after Moncada hit that? What were you more impressed with? I'm just, I'm, I'm super curious. The big fly or the seeing eye single that went through the third baseman uh, yesterday from, from Luis Robert. Well, I want to see him hit the ball in the air, but I'm definitely more impressed with 112. He just needs to elevate that, and he's going to hit a lot of doubles and home runs. Uh, you know, big fly balls can carry out of the ballpark depending on where you're playing, but a lot of those just die on the warning track, and we have seen the warning track power from Yoan plenty of times, and I'm sick of seeing the warning track power. So that is that is where I'm at with that uh, with the – his shot heard around the world. It was a shot heard around the world. I mean, I think, I think that uh, everybody said that uh, Yohan Moncada put Team Cuba on his back. I think, you know, Besnick, if we if we really sort of analyze this, I've got I've got some mixed feelings about it, right? Um, you know, my the, the first thing that comes to mind is if he's really putting this team on his back. Why doesn't he do that with the White Sox? I, I, I don't know. I've been waiting for it since 2016 when uh, when we traded Chris Sale to get him. And uh, I didn't see much in 2017 or 2018. I saw a great year in 2019 where everybody's offensive numbers exploded. I don't know why he can't do it here. It's maybe the warning track power, 96 can, exit velocity. Can we go with some tinfoil hat time, Buzz? I, I, I feel like it's appropriate. It's Sunday fun day. Maybe some tinfoil yeah. hat time. Maybe we'll see a different Yoan Moncada now that Jose Abreu is gone. Maybe. Maybe Jose. Maybe, you know, somebody was sitting back waiting to take that leadership role, and Jose was just blocking him from uh, from making it his team. That's I, that's I, the best tinfoil hat theory I've got. I've, I've got nothing. For, for a good theory, I've I've, I've got that theory. I've got that exact theory, Bez. I've got that exact theory. I mean, this is you know Jose Abreu is a guy that uh, Yohan Moncada's looked up to, played on uh, the Cuban national team with before, and and now you've sort of seen it with the Cuban national team in the World Baseball Classic this year. Jose Abreu obviously exits the White Sox. I, I kind of feel like it's you know that guy that you've worked with that's been at the company for you know, 10, 15 years and does the exact same thing you do. Um, and until he leaves, you you can't really open up and, and shine, right? So you resort to other things like recording music videos and, you know, starting a side hobby. And then all of the sudden uh, that guy leaves and you're the guy that's looked upon to be a leader. And, and maybe we'll get that from Yohan Moncada. The Cuban national team obviously did. Hopefully the White Sox do as well. But that's my tinfoil hat theory on Yohan Moncada is – Maybe he will shine in the spotlight without Jose Abreu being there to stifle anything that is Yoan Moncada. Maybe, maybe we'll get some good results from that. Very tinfoil hat theory. theory, but you know, I, I've seen it before. I've seen it before. I've I've felt it before in, in sort of different organizations and, and watching different sports. But maybe, just maybe, it was healthy for Yoan Moncada for Jose Abreu to move on so that this can become Yoan Moncada's thing versus, you know, Hey, I've got my role model and my mentor here watching yeah. over me. Let, let Yoan Moncada shine in the spotlight and maybe we'll get that 2019 again. 
And maybe that's, you know, maybe that creates a sense of urgency with Yoan. Now they know that they can't just sit back and rely on Jose to come yeah. through in the clutch and drive in clutch runs. Jose's gone now. Jose Abreu is not walking through that door, Yoan. So someone's got to step up and maybe that's, maybe that lights a fire under him. Well, it, it might. And, and Hey, I mean, he was the first one up, you know, outside of Tim Anderson. I, I sort of feel like he should be that guy that steps into that role. He was there before Luis Robert. He was there before Eloy Jimenez. He was there before a lot of these guys. Um, so it's time for Yohan Moncada to step up and be a leader. What I've kind of looked at with that Cuban national team is, you know, a lot of people are talking about how Luis Robert and Yohan Moncada are the veterans of that squad and how are they going to act throughout this? And I mean, they're batting right in the middle of the order. They're, they're the guys. They are the guys for that team. I know this doesn't translate directly into major league baseball and all of that, but you want those guys on the highlight reel all the time. They're your, they're the stars. Absolutely. So carry that momentum into the Chicago White Sox season. I'm looking at, what they can do to translate any sort of success they have on team Cuba into the Chicago White Sox, especially when it comes to guys like Oscar Colas, um, you know, and, and even prospects down the line from there, how are they going to be looked at as sort of, you know, the, the guys that are carrying the torch now. And I think it's a really positive development, even though this is still tinfoil at time, I think it's a really positive development that, the results are there, even if it was 96 miles an hour. Yeah, let's hope. Uh, with Moncada, it's let's hope. I mean, Robert last year, before he got the disease in Minnesota, was well on his way to having a 25-plus 100 RBI season. And that was kind of a fluky thing for me. I still am a pretty big believer in Luis Robert. Um, I think this guy's got a tremendous amount of potential. We've all seen it. We've all seen him produce when he's healthy, but he's never made it past 98 games. And hopefully, hopefully this spring training, this world baseball classic and playing with for his country and coming back and, you know, the Abreu tinfoil hat theory kind of applies to, to him as well. Um, so hopefully these guys can come back and decide that they want to make their mark with this team this year and finally prove that they belong because um, if they don't, it's going to be another long season. That's the thing. If these guys don't produce Mankata, Robert, Anderson, Eloy, I, we're, we're toast. The, they're the keys to the, to the, to the cog here. As, as someone very close to this show always says, Besnick, that's hashtag facts only. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure that rings true here in, in a lot of senses. Um, how much World Baseball Classic action have, have you been able to take in here? I, I'm just very curious. We've got a lot of people who are big into this World Baseball Classic. I find myself to be one of those so far into this, this action for a bunch of different reasons. But uh, I'm just curious uh, – you know, how, how much World Baseball Classic action you've been taking in, Bez? Um, I've been pretty busy this weekend, so I haven't really had a ton of time to watch it. I was watching Italy today. Um, I saw I saw part of uh, part of the Amsterdam game. 
uh, I'm sorry, the Netherlands. <laughs> uh, so I, I unfortunately, I was out and about last night at dinner, so I didn't get to see the U.S. game, but it was great to see them win Kyle Schwarber with a massive bomb. Um, and yeah, I haven't been able to watch a ton, but definitely looking forward to watching Lance Lynn take the hill tomorrow against the uh, the Canadians. That should be a lot of fun to watch. Absolutely should. I'm I'm just I'm curious because I'm gonna go in a different direction with this from from White Sox baseball, but I think it's something that's important. We heard it on the broadcast today. Steve Stone talk about how players didn't like the pace of last night's USA game um, because there was no pitch clock. Um, you know, obviously, I, I I know your feelings from what you've tweeted about the pitch clock so far. Uh, I know my feelings are vastly different than yours, but, uh, you know, I, I felt like watching this World Baseball Classic, I think I'm savoring these moments of of baseball that's nice, it's slow, it's at a very relaxed pace, it builds big moments. Um, going to the Venezuela-Dominican uh, Republic game that took place last night, um, that ninth inning had all of the drama, all of the momentum, uh, you know, just building uh, between each pitch as the pitcher would go to the rosin bag, pick it up three times, batters would step out of the batter's box. Uh, it had all of the baseball things that I, I love and hold near and dear to my heart while I check my phone and scroll Twitter in between pitches. Um, it, it was fantastic. And then switch gears, you go to a spring training game and it feels like baseball on a NASCAR speedway. Uh, how are you feeling so far this season? Uh, you know, just the, the difference between these baseball games taking place and, and some of the rule changes uh, so far this year. Yeah, it's been, you know, it's been an adjustment watching these games um, in spring training, just even today's game. There's not a whole lot of time between pitches. Um, and I've got, you know, kids that I'm, you know, looking after that are, that need things and doing dad stuff. So I'm going to miss some of the action because of it. And, you know, that kind of stinks, but at the same time, it's, it's kind of nice that we kind of get to the point on a lot of things. I don't think, you know, the, the pitcher needs to step off an unlimited amount of times. I don't think baseball needs unlimited pickoff attempts. Um, there's certain things like that, that I think get cleaned up, which is nice. Um, but uh, but to be honest, I, I'm still getting used to the pace of, of these new games. It's uh, it's it's too fast. And it's interesting because uh, Bill Veck, the White Sox former owner, has a lot of good quotes. Um, and you could look them up on Google them and stuff like that and pull up a lot of good quotes. But he's got one that says baseball is meant to be sipped, not gulped. And there's enough time in between pitch pitches to have discussion and talk about, you know, what the next move is, what the next pitch is. And uh, now that's not really so much the case. Now now the, the fa now you have to sit faster. Maybe they're not gulps, but uh, I think you have to sit faster now, Bill. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a completely different game. It's a completely different thing that we've never seen before, at least in, in our lifetimes. I think really in, in anybody's lifetime here, Besnick, and obviously this is something that I'm, I'm sort of tracking uh, as we go through uh, this season. I think you bring up a couple of really good points here. Baseball does not need unlimited pickoff attempts. 
but I would also argue that it doesn't need a pitch clock either, um, or a, or a batter clock as we've sort of seen. Um, pitchers are obviously going to try and take advantage of that. Uh, I think catchers are going to try and take advantage of that. We saw an instance today uh, down in spring training. I forget exactly which team it was. I think this took place for the Boston Red Sox, but you got batters getting called strike one, automatic strike ones for not being in the box on time. Um, I saw that one. The the pitch clock sort of interrupts some rhythm uh, with a lot of these pitchers. Uh, But I, I sort of feel as if this is being force fed sort of down the baseball fans throat as a good thing by a lot of talking heads. I, I uh, feel like there has not been any honest interview that I've seen with a baseball player, a member of the media, a member of any sports organization within baseball with anybody coming out and saying, wow, I'm really messed up by these new rules. I wish they would dial them back just a little bit. It's sort of been force fed down your throat as this is great for the game. Yeah. And I'm waiting for the honest opinion on this because I feel like this is a lot of somewhat state media telling you this is good for the game, no matter what. And I don't feel like that's a hundred percent the case, Baz. I don't know what your thoughts they're, are. On. They're definitely pushing the Kool-Aid. When I turn on 670, the score, if the pitch clock or pace of play ever comes up, every anyone who's on the show, any of the hosts on the show, they're all raving about it. I, I totally get that. I've I've heard enough of everybody just gushing over uh, how great they think it is. But they did bring up an interesting point, and not to take the conversation in a different direction, but um, and I don't know where they pulled this data or these numbers from, but on um, on the morning show on the score, they said that the average age of a baseball fan is 53 years old, where the average uh, age of a basketball fan is 32. So if baseball has this massive generation gap of fans that they're not tapping into. Um, what do they do? They've got to do something to make that up. They've got to do something to reclaim uh, that market share. Um, and it's, this is what they've chosen to do. I don't know if it's the right thing. I don't know if it's going to bring in those people. Nobody knows. Um, but they had to do something. Otherwise they're going to, they're going to be left behind by, uh, by these other sports. And, you know, you look back at some of the times and on these average game times from the nineties and eighties, and it was around two and a half hours. So it's, uh, it's, it's very up in the air. We'll, we'll only, I mean, we'll find out where where those numbers lie in five to ten years, and if we're bringing in more fans or not. Um, the one thing I'll say is maybe maybe we'll be able to make some compromises with this rule. When there's no one on base, I'm all for a pitch clock. When there's players on base, maybe that's where you suspend the pitch clock. Maybe you say there's no, you know, we we don't turn on a pitch clock for that or something. Maybe maybe there'll be compromises in these rules that make more people happy. Um, but we'll see. We're just going to see how this plays out. You know, I would I would sacrifice some of that, and I think that you you enter a a definite argument that you can bring to baseball fans and say, should it really take over a minute for a player to walk from the on deck circle, get set, and get in the box and be ready to hit? That's that's a very fair fair argument. What I don't understand is the hard and fast rule of a batter needing to be set in a box 
based on a 30-second clock hitting the eight-second mark when the pitcher is not engaged on the mound and the catcher is still standing up. You can set a player up that way yeah, to, to absolutely fail. Um, and that's not fair. You should have to throw the ball over the plate and not have the batter hit it in order for it to be a strike. There should be no automatic given there. You can argue the bulk, whatever. Yeah. But action should need to take place before we start doing things. Right. That's that's the same sort of dilution that I have as a problem with the runner on second base rule to start extra innings. You should have to earn yeah. you should have to earn the advantage, so to speak. Um, and and I feel like the game has gone to a point where we're just forcing results and outcomes because we need to cut down on time. I think that there's a way that we can sort of get there. So I like what you bring up here, Besnick. I mean, just keep throwing ideas out. Uh, we've got a couple more minutes here on the show. Just keep throwing some ideas out here uh, yeah. that, that you you have. I mean, if you were Rob Manfred – do you really believe that this is the answer to close that that age gap? I think that that's an important thing to note and obviously what they're trying to achieve. But is this the answer? We'll only ha- we'll only find out in spring training and over the next few years if this really does bring in fans. I mean, the other idea, I- I'm with you on the ghost runner. I am not a fan of that rule at all. Just getting a player in scoring position right off the bat just – really bothers me. I wish that there was some type of compromise there where maybe we play the 10th inning and 11th inning like normal. And then at that point, okay, I could see you putting a ghost runner on second base. That's a little more fair. Or maybe if you want to start extra innings with somebody on base, maybe put them on first. It's just egregious to me to be like, you get a runner on scoring in scoring position right off the bat with no outs. It's like, come on. Like, Let's let's not we're we're just kind of handing you, like you said, forcing these results. Um, and I don't know. I don't know if it'll make an impact like that. Um, it, it's, you know, quick counts and extras. You start with one ball and one strike. OK, that's that's, that's my that's my first before we go adding clocks and runners places. Let's let's shorten it up this way. You've got one strike and one ball. I feel like that's a, a more, at least to me, an acceptable answer towards how you play extras or if you want to shorten an inning up a little bit. I understand what they're going for is you want to see runs scored. Yeah. But hey, you know, maybe if that pitcher coming in in the in the 10th inning um, is on a shorter leash and the batter's on a, you, you might see more swings. You might see more balls in play. You might see pitches that come over the zone on a one-one count versus an O and O count to start. I, I I don't know exactly what the science is here, Baz, and I don't think you do either. But I feel like we've diluted this game to the point where I'm I'm waiting for the next few things: robot umpires to take away the human element of this on top of clocks and everything else. And by that time, I feel like you've completely alienated the fan base that, that you have an attempt to grab new fans for this game. And if it doesn't work, it could be a disaster. 
exactly. I think you 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 stole the words right from me. You've got to save some of the the sanctity of this game. And you know, hearing Jason Benetti and Steve Stone today sort of report the same thing that you've heard over and over again. This is great for the game. This is going to be perfect. You know that there's players out there that don't like this. And I want to hear from that. I want to hear from that player. I want to know exactly what they think because it can't be too far off from what a lot of other people are saying. And that's a good point because it's kind of been surprising. I feel like we haven't heard from a lot of players on what they think about the new rules. I mean, maybe I've missed some interviews, in-game interviews or post-game, whatever it is, but I feel like we haven't heard from many White Sox players about, I guess we've heard from some of the pitchers and stuff, but really, yeah, nobody's really opened up about, you know, their thoughts on on all the details of the rule. But I, I hope that they can figure out maybe some compromises here that make people happy. That's 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 my only hope because like because like you said it, it it'll be a disaster if it doesn't get the intended result because you'll alienate a lot of people and you won't bring in the new people so hopefully there's a compromise there um you know rules aren't set in stone they can always be tweaked and changed um but yeah well for for at least this year we know what they are and um we're gonna we're gonna not be able to spend as much time at the ballpark anymore which is a bummer so I just want to know, closing question on this segment, how many people that are in your life have, you know, recently texted you and said, hey, I'm a baseball fan now because <laughs> of these new pitch clock rules and runner on second base and bigger bases and no shifts? Like how many people have just out of, like just out of nowhere become a baseball fan? Do you do you know any? No. Not one, not, not one person has come out and said that, but again, I mean, this is only spring training. We're only two weeks into this thing. It's going to take, um, it's going to take years for them to figure out if this is going to give them the intended result, but I'm writing yeah, it down right now to ask you this question again, about week three of the season and follow up on week six. Um, please do ask, ask Besnick how many new baseball fans he's have, met have. because of rule changes. All right, I got that down in my notes. Love Bez, it. we've gone we've gone about 50 minutes. This has been wonderful. We've talked some World Baseball Classic. We've talked some White Sox spring training. It's time to get to the White Sox hashtag set the tone player of the week before we close this out. I feel like there's two candidates here, and we're going to have to duke it out maybe a little bit over this. Number one on the candidate list is, is Jake Berger. Uh, two home run performance yesterday has been swinging a, a very hot bat down in, in Arizona. And uh, the other one is Oscar Colas. Those are your two White Sox hashtag set the tone player of the week candidates. I am going to defer to you for pick number one um, of White Sox hashtag set the tone player of the week. This is a new segment uh, that our guy NWI Steve decided that we are going to do on Sunday fun day. So you have the pick here. Who is it going to be? My tone setter is going to be Oscar Colas. I love everything I'm seeing. Like we've all, like we already talked about the effortless power. Um, He's hitting moonshot home runs. This is a guy that could, I mean, you know what the black hole that right field has been for the White Sox for since basically Jermaine die, which didn't play on the team. Are you disrespecting Carlos Quinton? 
Uh, yeah, I guess I'm disrespecting him and I'm disrespecting Alex Rios because he had a couple of productive yes, years. But Alex Rios, yeah, he was good. Yeah, but uh, Carlos Quentin punching his bat in 08 when he was on his way to an MVP award still bothers me. But yeah, I'm going with Colas because uh, of the potential and what we've seen so far. Give me an answer. Give me a right fielder for the next five years. I hope that's not too much to ask to find a guy who can just plug that position for a little while. Love it. You heard it here first. Oscar Colas is your socks on tap, set the tone player of the week. Besnick made our selection here. Bez. It's been wonderful to get you involved in the action. I can't wait to have you on more post games and, uh, you know, just given your takes throughout the season. Can't wait to get to our first Socks on Tap post game show, which is going to be coming up here in just a few weeks as the White Sox enter the 2023 MLB season. I'm, I'm excited. I hate the new rules. Um, Fair. We'll be on this show. Uh, quicker than we were before, which means that uh, I might not have as many beers in me before we get on these shows. So it, it's going to be all sorts of different this year, but we're happy that all the listeners are here with us and, uh, you know, consuming this content and uh, enjoying White Sox baseball with us. Bez, I want to get to final thoughts before we close this down. Happy Sunday, fun day, happy first show of the year to you. You've you've been excellent as a as a co-host uh throughout this episode. Um, you know, give me give me some give me some thoughts, final thoughts, uh, before we wrap this up. Uh, you know, before we go to actual final thoughts, Bez, uh, I need to hear what your uh you know socks on tap development plan is for the 2023 season and what you're looking to accomplish here um on the show. Uh, well, first, thanks for having me today. This was a, this is a good time. Great to catch up with you as always and rap about our favorite baseball team. But yeah, I'm uh, I'm looking to forward to just doing more of these shows and writing more about this team this year and uh, and covering them from from start to finish. I think we're gonna have a lot more fun on this show, uh, on the blog, and just in the season in general. Uh, last year was such a slog of a season, and I really think that at the very least, it's not going to at least feel as rough as it did last year. Um, so I'm uh, I'm looking forward to being here on the pod more often, um, and uh, and that's that. Hopefully, uh, we'll have a lot of good things to talk about. Um, with, we'll try uh, and limit NWI Steve's time, you know, in influencing your mind. I think that'll go a long way. His time influencing my mind? Yes, yes. Your interactions with NWI Steve, you know, he's he's sort of a rough character. Yeah, yeah, well, you know, Steve, let Steve be Steve. Let him let him talk about Illinois basketball more than um, more than Illinois basketball and Purdue basketball or whatever it is he does. We love his overreactions. I like I, I, I like Steve. I like having him around. I like being on the pod with him, so I'm looking forward to, to doing some shows with Steve this year. Be careful with that guy. Just be okay. careful with him. Okay. You know, he's he's dangerous. That's what they say out there on the streets. That's what they say out there. Uh, on those on those streets of Munster, Indiana, or Shareville, yes. or Maryville, or whateverville. Okay. Whateverville you're in, you got to be careful. Look out for, for, for guys named Steve. 
bad news. Bad news. Bad news. Bez, I'm I'm excited to have you on more this season. Uh, You've got a great White Sox mind. You're as tuned in as anybody uh, on this team. Uh, If you're listening to this, be sure you're checking out ontapsportsnet.com for all of your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. Our guy Bez writes a recap on almost every single White Sox game that they're ever was or or can take place. Um, Obviously those are about to start. We'll see, uh, you know, some, some flair in those articles uh, from Besnick. You might catch a couple socks on tap inside jokes. So be sure you're checking out the socks on tap post game reports from Besnick over at ontapsportsnet.com. Bez, my final thoughts. Let's go USA. I want USA to take this world baseball classic. I want Lance Lynn to shove tomorrow. I want to see Tim Anderson at least get one bat flip on the uh, international play stage before we get out of there. Um, and I'm ready for some White Sox baseball. This has been fantastic. Happy Sunday, fun day to you. Happy Sunday, fun day to everybody out there. Uh, and happy St. Patrick's Day week to everybody. Um, especially Steve. Especially you, Steve. Yes, exactly. You, you got it. He, he loves St. Patrick's Day, one of his favorite holidays. So if you're out there, Steve's birthday this week, uh, March 15th. Make sure you're wishing at, at NWI Steve a happy birthday. He is another year closer to 50 and another year uh, just uh, around the sun for NWI Steve. March 15th is Steve's birthday. I, I, I think I said that right. He loves birthday wishes. Go give him birthday wishes. Tell him how much you love uh, his content and how much you love Illinois uh, basketball that those are his two favorite things out there. Um, he'll be back. He's down in Arizona right now reporting on, uh, the white socks for us here at socks on tap. Uh, and make sure you go follow my guy Besnick at socks insane. So you can get all of his white socks updates. Bez, that's about it for us. It's been about an hour here. Uh, let's close this thing down how we always do. And I'm just going to say white socks forever. White Sox forever.